Well, welcome on this summer uh, weekend, beautiful summer day. Uh, the, today's reading from the Bible is short, only four verses. That's all I got. But hey, there's a lot there. This is a wonderful teaching from Jesus to his disciples. You know, it's a teaching to us too. Uh, I love uh, Jesus when he teaches his disciples. I, I want to feel like I'm right there at Jesus' feet, listening to him, being one of his disciples too. And this really brings it out. Uh, Jesus has a lesson. He's going to teach something to his disciples. It's important. He says he summons their attention. He says, come over here. Listen, I'm going to teach you something. And Jesus is telling, telling me the same thing, isn't he? He's saying, come over here. Listen up. This is important. I'm going to teach you something. So disciples, Jesus calls the 12 over, right? So who's a disciple? Well, we're disciples too, right? We're followers of Jesus. Here's, here's a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is simplest. It's a follower of Jesus. People who've committed to follow Jesus, to listen to him. They're the ones who are going to turn their attention away from what other things they were up to in life and listen to Jesus. So a disciple accepts Jesus' authority. When Jesus speaks, that's the truth. We take it in. But something else. Disciples also were having our hearts changed by what we're hearing. The Holy Spirit lives inside us and our affections are being changed, our desires. We're learning to love the things that Jesus loves. We're having our character transformed. That's part of being a disciple. But there's even more than that. Disciples take action on what they learn. In fact, Jesus even told a story about a man who listened, heard what Jesus was saying, but didn't put it into practice. Remember, he said, this guy's like a guy that built a house right on the sand without a foundation, and it didn't survive in the storm. So don't be like that. Listen to Jesus and put it into action. Then you'll be a wise man. So... Hearing Jesus' words leads to obedience. Disciples don't live for themselves. They live for Jesus. Okay, so there you go. Disciples, you can sort of think of it this way. A disciple's one who's committed to Jesus' truth. It's, it's going to change what I think, right? It's also going to change my heart, what my affections are. But it's also going to have its effect in my hands, where, where do I spend my time? What do I do with my life and my energy? All of those are ways that we are uh, being changed by Jesus Christ and being his disciples. Progressive thing. I began my journey of discipleship with Jesus years ago, but he's still working on me. I've got a long ways to go. And I'm thankful to have you to be part of a fellowship of disciples here, Right? We're all going to pursue Jesus together. We're going to become like him together. So that's kind of the quick, the quick setting uh, where we are. Let's 
sort of to envision this a little more, uh, this incident takes place in the final few days before Jesus dies on the cross. Okay, a few days ago on Sunday, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem with a big crowd. We call it the triumphal entry. The crowd thought uh, that Jesus was going to be king. But today, Tuesday, a few days later, uh, Luke tells us that every day now, this week, Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, but at night he went and stayed on the Mount of Olives. So all the people came in. Remember, there's crowds of pilgrims because this is the Passover festival. And so people have come from all over the Jewish world to be here. They came and listened to Jesus teach in the morning and listened to him in the temple courts. Well, Jesus has used this opportunity, preaching in the temple, to denounce the leadership of the nation in the most forceful terms. He has denounced the experts in the law, the chief priests, right to their face. And they're seeking to destroy him. But they've made a decision. Not during the feast. We don't want there to be a riot. They're afraid of the people. So they don't want to do what they're going to do publicly. So, Jesus has just spoken. And now it's as if he enters the temple and sits down. Maybe just to rest. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why he sat down, but as he sat down, he observed. He seated himself opposite the offering box in the temple forecourt. So this was part of the entrance to the temple. He watched the crowds putting coins in his offering box. And many, the Bible tells us that many rich people were throwing in large amounts. And then came a poor widow. Jesus called his disciples and said, listen. I have something to teach you. And here's our passage. Okay. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said to his disciples here, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they offered their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. Okay. Just a little note. We're talking small. That's a, that's a historic coin there on the side. Uh, from that period, so you can see just how small it was. It was the cheapest coin in circulation in that day. In fact, it wasn't even minted anymore in Jesus' day, but there were still some of them in circulation. So even smaller than our uh, penny. Well, as you read these verses, it's clear that there are sort of two emphases to Jesus' teaching, Right? Jesus has got a point to make. They've just seen what's happened in front of them. They've seen the rich. They've seen the poor widow. Now Jesus has an important lesson to tell them. First, more than all of them. Isn't that interesting? 
Here, these two tiny copper coins are more than all the other people. Not not just any specific gift, but it's almost as, as if all together, all these people together, that wasn't as much as this poor widow put in. How can that be? <laughs> I mean, some of you know me, my, my background. Before I moved to Portland, I was a financial manager. I spent my days in strategic finance and accounting. I had, I ran a financial staff that took care of the money of the company. So I was into money. I still to this day admit I have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. So <laughs> I, I'm, you know, a money guy and this doesn't make uh, any sense, right? On a worldly perspective, this isn't going to move the needle on the temple budget. Okay, if we're trying to make budget this year, and believe me, that temple was expensive. It was huge. It was glorious. It was covered with gold, and and it was one of the wonders of the ancient world. But it cost a lot of money to maintain. So how uh, are we going to make budget this year with contributions like this? Well, Jesus' way of measuring is not like ours, Right? The way we measure things is not the way that Jesus measures things. And that's, that needs to sink in to our hearts the same way Jesus meant it to sink into these disciples' hearts. You know, mankind, man has a way of measuring things. But that's not, that's not God's way of measuring things. God has a different standard here uh, that he's using. So not only is uh, these two small copper coins uh, precious in the sight of God, but there's a whole number of ways in which God measures things differently than how we do. The Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance of things, Right? God looks on the heart. The New Testament cautions us against uh, making judgments even about people uh, and says, listen, things are going to all come to light in his time. In fact, uh, one translation says the secret things of the heart are going to be revealed when Jesus comes. So we, we are always measuring Things, what's valuable? We're measuring people. We're making value judgments on who is valuable, what actions are valuable. But God's measurement is different than ours. God uh, wants to develop in these disciples the gift of faith. Ah, yes. What is highly prized among men is utterly detestable in God's sight. How's that for a zinger of a verse? In, out of Luke 16, Luke's, uh, in, verse, in this verse here, he, it's in a larger passage where Jesus is confronting the ruler's love of money. They, they loved money and esteemed it highly. And Jesus rebukes them and says, in fact, what is 
highly prized among men, is utterly detestable in God's sight. I love a New Living Translation puts it this way. So I had to, I actually put both up there. Uh, what the world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Okay, God's got a different standard. And a lot of things that are valuable in this world, that are esteemed, that are put forward as being, oh, this is, this is what you want. This is what you need. This is the thing to aim for. No. God's, God's measuring system is very different from man's. Okay. Well, here's the other uh, emphasis. Everything she had to live on. And this is, this is actually qualifies as one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Really? Jesus? Did you, did you really say that? Do you really mean that? Everything she had to live on? Well, yes. Uh, you cannot, um, uh, Sorry, uh, without. You cannot become Jesus' disciple without giving up everything. Now that's radical. That's radical. Everything she had to live on is, so let me, and I, and I studied this, and believe it or not, there are actually people who say, well, uh, this isn't really what Jesus meant. But I think, uh, I think it's true that this is exactly what Jesus meant. You cannot become Jesus' disciple without giving up everything. And here, to, uh, to prove it to you here, uh, let's turn also to another place in Luke. There's enough verses here uh, that, I'm, that I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to just, you're going to have to open your Bible and turn to it. Uh, Luke chapter 14. Here it is. 14, Luke 14.25 Now large crowds were accompanying Jesus. And he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he tells a little story. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't sit down first and compute the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish the tower, all who see it will begin to make fun of him. They will say, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to confront another king in battle will not sit down first and determine whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he cannot succeed, he will send a representative while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, not one of you can be my disciple if he does not renounce all his own possessions. 
So look at what Jesus has covered here. He starts off with all the closest of human relationships. Father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters. What next? Your own life, your physical life. Finally, whoever does not carry his own cross cannot be my disciple. So, in those days, everybody knew what it meant to carry a cross. It wasn't just uh, being punished. It was being condemned to death. It was a death sentence. People who carried crosses were condemned to death. They were in the process of having their physical life taken from them. And then finally, all possessions. Renounce all his own possessions. So there, Jesus is so radical here that his commendation of the woman, you cannot become Jesus' disciple without giving up everything. And that that theme of giving up everything appears not just here, it's probably the closest in Luke 14, but it's uh, throughout the book of Luke. Uh, talk about the calling of the disciples in Luke 5. You remember that Jesus came on board and said, put down the, the nets for a catch. And Peter's kind of like, oh man, we worked hard all night, but okay, Jesus, if you say so, I'll, I'll put down a net. So Peter and all who were with him, were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. So were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. So, when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. A few verses later, skip down to verse 27. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, he said to him. And he got up and followed him, leaving everything behind. So that theme of leaving everything is occurs again and again in the book of Luke. It's it's uh, Luke. Uh, is familiar with the rich. As an author, he wasn't a poor man. He was a, a man of some substance. And he, but he leans into the price of discipleship. He, of all the uh, writers of the Gospels, Luke speaks more about money than any of the other Gospel writers. He emphasizes uh, that Jesus' demands of discipleship uh, required giving up everything to be Jesus' disciple. Then finally, uh, one more uh, one more story uh, that shows the the demands of discipleship, and this also involves a widow, and it comes all the way from the Old Testament, the book of First Kings, chapter seventeen. Of the book of 1 Kings. Here's Elijah, the prophet of God, has told the king, King Ahab, the evil king, that it's not going to rain in Israel as a judgment that the Lord has decreed on the nation. 
There, he says, there will be no dew or rain in the years ahead unless I give the command. So, uh, the Elijah the prophet uh, pronounces this judgment on the kingdom, and then he goes off to hide out uh, by in the Kareth Valley, and ravens bring him food. But eventually, the brook that he's camped by uh, dries up, and the Lord tells him, here's what you do next. The Lord told him, get up, Elijah, go to Zarephath in Sidonian territory and live there. I have already told a widow who lives there to provide for you. So he got up and went to Zarephath. When he got through the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. He called out to her, please give me a cup of water so I can take a drink. And he went uh, and she went to get it. And he called out to her. Please bring me a piece of bread. She said, as surely as the Lord your God lives. I, isn't that interesting, the Lord your God? She's, she's not even an Israelite, is she? I have no food except for a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Right now, I'm gathering up a couple of sticks for a fire. Then I'm going to make one final meal for my son and myself. After we have eaten that, we will die of starvation. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you planned. Here's, listen to this. But first... Make a small cake for me and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be empty and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord makes it rain on the surface of the ground. She went and did as Elijah told her. There was always enough food for Elijah and for her and her family. The jar of flour was never empty and the jug of oil never ran out, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Amazing story, but the prophet says, but first make a small cake for me and bring it to me. The last meal, the last handful of flour and oil. So she responded in faith. She did what Elijah asked her to do. She trusted the Lord God of Israel that he was going to make good on his word, on his promise. That even though that was the last bit, she was going to give it to the prophet first and then make something for herself and her son. So... All of these uh, scriptures speak of the absolutely radical demand of faith that Jesus requires of his disciples, right? To give up all you had to live on, to bring the food to the prophet first because the Lord's promised to take care of you, to leave everything you had, to... Count the cost and decide that all of your closest relationships 
uh, all of your uh, possessions and even your own physical life are not as important as following Jesus Christ. That is a challenge to my faith as a disciple. But you know something? What do you gain when you follow Jesus Christ? In, in studying this, I, there was a, uh, another scripture story that I had read many times. Luke also tells it in uh, chapter 18. You remember? It's about a very wealthy young man who comes to Jesus and he asks a good question. He asks Jesus, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Of course, they're going to have a discussion here, right? Uh, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. Okay. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. And follow me. And we know the end of the story. The man turned away. He was sad. He, the money was too important to him to do that. You know, I've read this many times. And, and I realized I was reading it this week. And I thought, but, but Jesus had invited him to come and follow him. Jesus had if issued an invitation to him that he could become a follower of God incarnate, the man whose words were the words of life, the man who himself was the way, the truth, and the life. He had the opportunity to Follow Jesus. Do you realize what Jesus had just offered to him? That's, that's what I missed in this before. I was all focused on what he had to give up. He had to give up a lot of wealth, didn't he? But, you know, that was nowhere near as significant as what Jesus had offered to him. Jesus offered for him to join and follow him. And so, that's my... Uh, heart desire today is that I'm not going to look at the cost of what I have, you know, giving that, those things up. Now, practically, is God gonna, is God asking me right now to sell my house and give it all away? I don't believe He is, but you know, if He did, I want to be ready. I want to be ready because I would not count anything that I own as important as being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see what's on offer here? You can follow Jesus. You can be one of his disciples. You can come to know him. He'll teach you. His Holy Spirit will come 
and dwell inside you and change you from the inside out. And many people are called to give up things. You know, I was raised on missionary biographies. I read many biographies where people really did give up everything they had and, and ship out to some other country. Uh, I've read many biographies where people lost family members. Uh, you know, I don't know what Jesus is asking you to do as his disciple. Okay? It's different for each one of us, or can be. But in every case, whether he's asking me to give up my physical possessions, whether he's asking me to give up relationships that are most valuable to me, uh, to obey him, to follow him, or even I work with people who are called to martyrdom. You know, part of what I do now is I am honored and privileged to work on behalf of the persecuted church, specifically the persecuted church in Iran and Afghanistan. And that's a place where God calls certain people to give up even their physical life itself. But why should we be surprised? Jesus, Jesus said it. Right here, didn't he? He told all his disciples, this is what the deal was. This was, this was, they had to give it up, give all of it up, give it up to him, renounce their possessions, give up their relationships. You know, God had an offer to them that was far more valuable than what they were about to give up. So, What God has called you to give up, what God has called me to give up, may be different. Uh, I'm, you know, want to be sensitive to what the Lord has to say to me, and I want to be quick to obey. And uh, let's travel that road of being Jesus' disciples radically, and let's do it together. Let's be people who... Uh, don't let anything stand in our way, delay us, stop us, cause us to hesitate when Jesus says, come, come, come and follow me. Yeah, sure. You're going to have to, you know, give up all this, all this stuff you got. You have to give up that inheritance, give up that business, give up those enjoyments that you have. You have to give those up, but you know something? You get to follow me. Jesus has, has an offer for us that is of incomparable worth. So let's pray this morning here. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to hear the words of Jesus as he speaks to us, and we want to be people who put it into action, who do what you tell us to do. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be your disciples. And just like the disciples uh, of you know the 12 that followed you years ago through Israel, 
on your journeys there, heard your words. Uh, we have your word in front of us, uh, and we have uh, companions on this road. You've called us to encourage each other uh, in this path of faith. Father, we, we pray against fear. This world is wanting us to be filled with fear, uh, to be afraid of what the future holds and what we, it might cost us. And Father, I pray as Christians we would be freed from fear as we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Look to him. So we thank you for your, your precious word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.